Romans 8, 18. I'll tell you just a little bit about my, my uh, testimony. I was raised down in Louisiana in the Catholic home, and I, I uh, lost my eyesight at the age of seven eating pork and beans. I, I strained my eyes looking for the pork. And uh, went to the school for the blind, left home. I told my dad, I'm tired of the rules, I left home at seven. No, I did. <laughs> actually did leave home at seven, but went to a, school, a boarding school and learned Braille, learned a lot about music, and also heard the gospel for the first time. I thought, well, no, it's, it's, uh, it's multiple choice. You know, the Baptists go one way, the Catholics go one way, Presbyterian go another way, and the Episcopalians don't get to go at all. No, I'm just kidding if you're Episcopalian. Just kidding. But uh, some uh, a teacher talk, told me, no, it's true-false. It's not multiple choice. It's true-false. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me, not by our religion. Amen? Amen. So I, I kept running as long as I could. My brother was praying for me. He got saved. And finally, one night, I was at a, a Bible college visiting him on my way to trade school for piano technician and he was already started into Bible college and heard 35 testimonies that night. And they were all religious, just like I was. They, 35 times I heard this. I, God, they thought God was keeping a scoreboard. If you, if you do enough good works, you get in. And if you do too many bad works, you don't get to go. They thought, well, God's keeping a scoreboard. And I'm religious, and I'm trying to be religious and do good. But the problem with me was the more I tried as a teenager, the worse I got. I began to sink into sin, bound by sin. And uh, I thought, how can you be religious and bound by sin? doesn't make any sense. And finally, heard this 35 times. 35 new students testified. They, they came to the realization you can't work to get to heaven. There's, none of your good works will pay for your sin. Amen. I was down in uh, Trinidad, and they, they have these markets everywhere. And uh, we went and bought fruit, fresh, wonderful, island-grown fruit. And we were trying to explain the gospel to some of the people there. And I said, well, if you went down to the, to the street, picked up a piece of trash, walked into the market and said, I want to buy some bananas with this trash. They'd say, get out of here. You can't buy bananas with a piece of trash. And that's what our good works are in the sight of God. They're just trash. You can't buy your way into heaven with good works. Jesus, it's a very, very costly price to get into heaven. Guess who paid for it? Jesus paid for it on the cross. And all you can do is accept it. You can't earn His love. All you can do is accept His love. Amen? So I said, well, maybe I can do that without messing it up. I've messed up everything else. Maybe I can accept a gift. And when I did that, everything changed. My life changed. Amen? And uh, that is my testimony. Then I met my beautiful wife. God, when you get right with God, He does so many good things for you. He gave me a good wife who's been with us all these years and uh, in evangelism. And I told her, if she ever leaves me, I'm, I'm going to pack up and go with her. <laughs> but anyway, Romans eight eighteen. Romans eight eighteen, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
Notice the, the comparison from suffering to glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, your mercy. We pray you'd bless today. Fill us with your spirit, your love, your wisdom, work in every heart. And uh, Father, if there's one lost, we pray you'd open their heart to, to understand salvation. Lord, I pray you'd uh, speak to them as we preach. Speak to every heart. Speak to my heart. Lord, help us to see amazing, wonderful things in your word. And uh, Lord, may we grow closer to you. Leave this place rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen. We had a hospice doctor the other day that said, when my, as my younger brother was dying with cancer, he asked, did he have a spiritual life? And then uh, when we told him, yes, he's saved, he said, I've heard it said, the more suffering, the more glory. He didn't try to quote this verse, but those two words are in this verse. The more suffering, the more glory. And at my brother's funeral, we had three lost loved ones that we've been saved, uh, praying for for 38 years. There's the glory. Amen. Amen. Suffering and glory. He's comparing the two. The other day, we went to a ball game. We used to go to the ball games uh, down in Atlanta. When the Braves won, when they used to win, and they had what they, the old stadium and had these what they call the nosebleed section, the dollar seats. We didn't, we weren't that cheap, but we did get some good cheap tickets. But the problem is nobody could see the field. That's why I always bring my Walkman with me and my radio and my headphones because every time somebody they start cheering and jumping up and clapping, I'll say to my family, "What happened?" And they'll look around. Oh, we don't know. So now when, when everybody starts cheering, they ask me, what happened? And I tell them, I don't know. But anyway, the good news is, they, the bad news is they couldn't see the field. The good news is they all brought their binoculars and magnified that which was far away. Amen. They magnified. And uh, I'll just say this simple thing to get it in your brain. Murmuring magnifies our problems, but praise magnifies God. Psalm sixty-nine thirty. I will, I will magnify the name of the Lord with thanksgiving. Amen. We magnify Him with thanksgiving. We magnify Him with praise. What are we magnifying? When we were little kids in Catholic school, somebody told us we all had our little magnifying glasses in our backpacks or whatever we had. And uh, this was back before Noah crossed the, uh, uh, came off the ark. But anyway, we had our magnifying glasses and somebody said... If you hold that magnifying glass and magnify the, magnify the sun over these leaves, the leaves will catch on fire. And it did. Man, we had so much fun till we, we got in trouble every day. They just didn't understand us. The teachers just didn't understand how good of kids we were because we got in trouble every day. But magnify. Can you imagine what will happen when we magnify the Son of God? The power that's in the magnifying of the Son of God. If you go out on a sidewalk and you've got a toothpick on that sidewalk and you magnify it so huge, you'll, you'll begin to fear and say, I, can't crawl, I cannot walk across this sidewalk. And that's what fears do. That's what our fear, when we magnify the wrong thing, we're overtaken with fear. That's what happened with Peter as he was walking on the water. He was walking on the command of God. He's walking on the command and all of a sudden he looks down at the sea, the boisterous sea, and he, he begins to sink. Why? He was magnifying the wrong thing. Amen. When God called me into evangelism, I thought, 
uh, and I still begin to sink sometimes. I stepped out on His Word and everybody said, well, how are you going to get there? You can't drive. But I've gotten there for 29 years. Amen. Amen. Uh, People on the plane, I talk to scientists and engineers and all these chemists and they're they're just geniuses and they're in their jobs making their money. I don't know how much they make, but they'll ask me, well, how in the world do you do you uh, uh, survive with when you go on love offerings? I don't know. If I ever look at it, I begin to sink. Amen. <laughs> People asked we, we witnessed to a Amish man the other day. and He was selling baskets at the Amish door restaurant. And uh, my wife told him he, that I was a preacher. And he said, how can you read the Bible and you cannot see? I told him about Braille. And he, 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 he never heard of Braille. And there's all kinds of things we can look at. And people say, how? How can you do this? You step out on the commandment. You magnify the commandment. You magnify the word of God. The promises keep us above water. Fear causes the heart to sink. But the promises keep our heart above water. Amen. What are we magnifying? We'll look at a few places. The everlasting arms are the enemy. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, God had a master plan to glorify Himself in the eyes of the entire world. The greatest miracle of the Old Testament, the crossing of the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. God was about to magnify Himself. And he was going to use this little nation of Israel. And they, uh, they began to murmur. Moses, did you bring us out here because there was no graves in Egypt? Did you bring us out here to start a new cemetery? And they're magnifying their problem. The Egyptian army is behind them. They can't go back. They'll be destroyed. They can't go forward. There's, a, there's an ocean there. And all of a sudden, God begins to part the ocean. He says, Moses magnifies the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He magnifies the Lord. And the sea parts and the ocean floor dries and the water congeals. And they go across in places over a mile deep. They go. God brings us through seemingly impossible places. Amen. Amen. The miracle. God brings us through those impossible places when we... Magnify Him. Are we magnifying the everlasting arms? You say, well, the bottom has dropped out of my life. Guess what? Underneath, the Bible says, beneath are the everlasting arms. He's with us. His arms are holding us. His arms are carrying us. Are you focused on the enemy? Are the everlasting arms? Are you focused on the grapes or the giants? Are you feasting on the grapes? God told the children of Israel, send 12 spies into the land of Milk and honey, the land of Canaan, that's where God's people are supposed to be bearing fruit in the land of fruitfulness. And uh, they went back, they came back, two had grape juice running out of their mouth, and they were carrying grapes as big as your head, and their report was milk and honey and grapes, milk and honey and grapes. The other ten said lions, tigers, and bears. Giants, walls, grasshoppers, giants, walls, grasshoppers. The people believed the wrong report. And they turned around and wasted their lives. They said, no, we can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible. We can't do it. We can't do the will of God. Too many giants. And they turned around and wasted their lives. Disobeyed God because they heard the wrong command. Somebody said, that's why we ought to be encouragers. Because a discouraging report caused an entire nation to turn around. 
We ought to be encouragers. And uh, are you feasting on the grapes? If you think about the fruit that you've borne in your ministry, you will have a feast. But you think about one nut that attacked you, and you'll go into major depression. And I think I tell uh, preachers' wives, ask me all the time, can I write that on my refrigerator? Focus on the fruit and not the fruitcakes. Amen? Focus on the fruit and not the fruitcakes. We were out in Arizona, and... uh, our car was broken in, and they, they busted up our car, and it was a dope addict. He, he said he was, on high, he was so high he didn't remember what he did, but he stole my suit that I love so dearly. It's like that lady that told her little grandson when the preacher came over, Honey, go get that book that grandmother loves so dearly. And he came back with the Sears and Roebuck catalog. <laughs> but... Stole my suit and my brand. I just bought a microphone that I loved. Just bought it the day before. And he stole my new microphone. And uh, stole two of my outline books that I worked for years on. My my Braille notebooks. And uh, all these things were stolen. And then a couple of days later, we were at a missions conference. Two people were saved. They went from giving a hundred and... Uh, no, they're giving from giving uh, eighty nine thousand a year to one hundred and forty eight thousand a year in that missions conference. And the next day, we went out to the to the uh, the uh, Indian reservation, and the the man equivalent, the politician equivalent to the vice president of that nation, the vice president of the United States, was in the service. He got saved. Another person got saved. The next night, seven more got saved on the reservation. And my flesh wants to focus on that nut. That broke into my car instead of feasting on the fruit. Amen. Instead of feasting on the fruit. Are you focused on the giants or feasting on the fruit? Are you focused on the fire or the friend that is with you in the fire? The king gave the decree. Everybody will worship me at the sound of the music. I am the Babylonian idol. The idol was made in the image of the king. Who worshipped himself. Here it goes. Babylonian idol. The new TV show. (laughs) Everybody will worship me. When they hear the sound of the music. And the three Hebrew children said. No I think the Bible says. uh, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou serve. We will not bow. King says. Oh yes you will. I'm going to heat the fire seven times hotter. And uh, they said, if you do, our Lord will deliver us. And even if he doesn't answer our prayer, we're still going to serve him. That's what sometimes we have to make up our mind. Even if, even if he doesn't answer our prayer, we're still going to serve him. And the king heats the fire up and the soldiers that threw them into the fire were killed. It was so hot. But the three Hebrew children were loosed from their bands up and walking around unsinged by the fire. Psalm 29, 7 says, the voice of the Lord divideth the flames. He divides the flames when we walk through the fire. And all that happens is we get purified as gold is purified in the fire. And uh, the goldsmith knows that the gold is pure when he can look into the gold and see his image. And it reflects the image of the goldsmith. He knows it's ready. And all of a sudden the king looks into the fire. And he says, hey, we threw three men in. They're unharmed. They're up. They're walking around. And there's a fourth man. He sees the image of a fourth man. 
He said it looks like the Son of God. And all of a sudden, this king, unbelieving, self-worshipping, heathen king, becomes a believer. He sees, he sees because these three Hebrew children were in the fire, he sees the image of the Son of God. Brings them out and he writes a track, a decree that goes around the world. If any nation, any tongue speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You talk about reversal. He went from persecution to protection. Now he says, if anybody in the world speaks against this God, he shall be cut in pieces. And uh, what happened? He was with them in the fire. And he's with you in the fire. He didn't come out of the fire. He was already in there when they went in. He's in the fire. The New Testament says his feet were like brass that burned in fire. And he holds the seven stars in his hands, which are the pastors. He holds those that turn many to righteousness. We are called stars. Amen. We're not Hollywood movie stars. We're not rock stars. We're not country stars. We are heavenly stars. Amen. They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars of the firmament forever. Amen. Uh, Are you focused on the fire or the friend? Are you focused on the lions or the Lord? Paul is on trial and all of his friends, so-called friends, stabbed him in the back, turned on him, walked away. Everybody withstood him and forsook him and probably talked bad about him on top of that, just to add insult to injury. And he stands alone in his own trial, but he said, how be it? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that the preaching might be fully known I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And he shall deliver me out of every evil work. I was thinking this morning about William Booth who started the Salvation Army. Him and his wife went before the church uh, board. I guess it was some type of uh, denominational board. And they said, no, you didn't pass the test. You're not worthy to preach in our denomination. They rejected him, said, you're not worthy. You can't do anything for God. And his wife stood up and said, come on. Uh, Come on, William, me and you and God will go and we'll win the lost. You know what? God plus one is a mighty army. God plus one is a majority. A million man army minus God is a minority. And Paul said, I focused on the Lord, not the lions. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that the preaching might be fully known. Amen. Are you focused on the shelter or the storm? Sometimes the storms, what we do, human nature, we let the storms drive us from God. We let our storms drive us away from God. We need to let our storms drive us to God. Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the wave that slammed me against the rock of ages. Every storm that slams us against him into his loving arms is a good storm. Amen. He said, I've learned to kiss the storm, kiss the wave that slammed me against the rock of ages. Are you focused On the nasty now and now or the never ending reward. Paul looks back. He was persecuted for uh, 30 to 40 years here on earth. Looks back with the telescope of time. He looks back from where he is. He's been in heaven 2,000 years. He looks back on that little dot in time. That little bitty dot in time where he was persecuted. And he says those sufferings are nothing compared to these crowns. Amen. The eternal reward. The eternal reward. Are you focused on the broke down body or the brand new eternal heavenly body? Amen. Amen. The Bible says this outward man is perishing day by day. You start dying the day you're born. You're headed toward the grave. But the inward man is renewed day by day.
And uh, this outward man, you've got to have hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder replacements, teeth replacements, ear replacements, eye replacements, hair replacements, and everything else in between. But up there, you've got a body that will never wear out. You'll never have to take a Tylenol. Amen? You'll never have... You'll never have a sniffle for millions and millions and millions of years. Eternity will just have begun. You'll have a body that will never wear out. Are you focused on that body or this body? We have to take care of this one. It takes a lot of maintenance to take care of this one. You've got to take care of it while you're here. But uh, there's an eternal body. What about a broke down shack or a jacked up mansion? Down here you have to replace, repaint. Remodel, re-roof, re-plumb, rewire. And about the time you get everything all fixed up in your house, your wife looks around and said, Honey, did you know our house is out of style? It's time to start over. Amen. But up there we've got a mansion he's been working on 2,000 years. What about it? Are you focused on that? Broken heart because of a departed loved one, a departed family member, or are you focused on the family reunion that will never end? A family reunion will be our. our, We got seemed like somebody said we had a preacher friend die yesterday, and and somebody said we've got more on the other side. It looks like than we do here. Older we get, we see more and more. The last uh, in the last year, we've counted about fifteen. Fifteen loved ones and friends that have passed away just in the last year. But uh, there's a reunion. They're all doing good up there. If you haven't made your preparation, you can make that this morning. It's free. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Are you focused on a mountain of sin or a merciful Savior? There's a mountain of sin in our lives. But guess what? I remember one time a lost as could be, but I thought I was so clean and so good. And a, a an English teacher that I don't I didn't even know he's a Christian. He quoted half of a verse: "They that sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption." When he said that, boom! A light turned on in my heart, and I saw corruption. I thought I was so clean till he said that, and uh, I began to see my sin, my corruption. But you know what? There's a merciful Savior. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as crimson, they shall be as wool. He's, there, there was a stain back in, the, in that day that if you stained a piece of material that red dye, with that red dye, they would double dip it, they would double stain it, and there was no chemical on earth that could take it out. No chemical on earth could remove that stain. But Jesus said, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they're double-dipped, double-stained, they shall be white as snow. His blood can wash away your sins. A merciful Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Help us to magnify the right things, Father, not the wrong things. By your grace, by your strength, by your glorious power, we ask you to, to help us today and Work in the invitation in Jesus' name.